Uh, Terrence, it's not 40 years, it's 44 years. Um, for those that don't know me, and there's a few guests here, some newer people, I am an elder here at the church. I got saved uh, out of myself, really, uh, in the mid-70s in college with a good friend of mine, Al Capurna, and I both got saved the same year, 44 years ago, this October for me. And um, my message today has a lot to do with, I'm going to think where I'm at in my stage of life. And you're going to hear a little bit about my heart, which is about a new heart. Uh, I've been married for 41 years. I've got three married kids, uh, six grandkids, and one foster grandson. I'm a manager, and I also consider myself a marketplace missionary uh, in, this world, in, the, in the world of business. And I can honestly say here this morning that I know that I know less now than I thought I knew when I was younger. Um, the older I get, the more I realize, I realize how dumb I've been, and I'm sure... Ten years from now, I realize how dumb I was today even. Uh, as God marinates us and shows us that it's all about him and not ourselves anyway, the encouragement is it doesn't matter how smart or how good you are, God's got you covered, and that's a part of the message today as well. As Terrence mentioned, uh, when Kyle talked to us about let's get together and do a, a study on the book of Proverbs and pick out of Proverbs those things that would be good for us to hear about, in terms of being wise, and Proverbs is just rich with verse after verse after verse after verse on wisdom, and in fact, it overlaps quite a bit. So you'd figure, you know, that the the, uh, the elders here would come up with an, a unique proverb for each of us to speak about, and when I told uh, Kyle I was going to pre- preach out of Proverbs 3 to, to launch my discussion this morning, and then Tim Butler said, well, I'm preaching out of Proverbs 3, and then... And then um, I think it was uh, Ken forgot a Proverbs 3 as well last week. So we're all going to start with Proverbs 3, different dimensions of that. And what I'm going to focus on, in fact, if, if I'm going to go back for a quick history lesson of our what we've learned in Proverbs so far. Kyle talked, talked about Proverbs 11.25, whoever brings blessings will be enriched, and one who waters himself will be watered. It's all about giving, having a giving heart, giving spirit. And then Greg talked about words of life. The words we speak have power. Proverbs 18:21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. God's words to us are full of grace, mercy, and blessings. And he kind of ended the, uh, the uh, sermon on words by those famous words by Jesus when he said, it is finished. What Jesus did on the cross for us, what he did for us, what God did for us was remarkable to say the least. And when Jesus said it's finished, he put a bow on connecting us with our Father in heaven once again. And then Ken talked about trust in the Lord out of Proverbs 3. Uh, where, who are you leaning on? What are you leaning on as a person? Are you leaning on riches, money, uh, safe retirement? Are you leaning on yourselves, your abilities, your experience, your cleverness, your job, your marriage, your religion? Pharisees rested pretty heavily upon what they knew about, about the, the word. Uh, submitting ourselves to God and knowing God is what it's all about. That's our theme to know Jesus and make him known. Um, and so he capped it off in Romans five thirteen, saying, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may, you man, you may abound in hope. And so it's all about God and trusting and living in him. So today I'm going to focus on a new heart and having peace in that new heart. Proverbs 3, verse 1. Throw it up there, yeah. Uh, My son, do not... Forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. 
which by its nature says it's more than just a head thing. It's more than just acknowledging something. It's something that's kind of in your spirit. It just settles in your spirit. You know it's something that's true. Um, and it's our heart that needs to covet these commandments. The things that God shows us, shares with us, teaches us, should settle in and like become part of us more than just an external thing or something we can rationalize with our heads. Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 2. If you want to turn there. Yep. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and claim your heart to understanding. And in verse 5, it says, then you will find the knowledge of God. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Find the knowledge of God. There's nothing more wise than knowing the knowledge of God. And verse 10 says, for wisdom will come into your heart. So God's speaking here uh, through the author of Proverbs about the heart, speaking into the heart, being filled in your heart. And then Ezekiel 36, 26 says, and I give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone, that callous hard heart from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And in verse 27, he says, and I'll put my spirit within you. The theme you're going to see here is it's not about us about what we do it's about what god puts in us that we allow to express so it's not like working harder doing better from back to ken's message it's not about trusting in your abilities although this room's got a lot of strong abilities and skills and strengths as i look around at each of you it's not about those things it's about god's strength in you uh, i was talking to a young couple uh just a few weeks ago that um, I find this really kind of fun when you're talking with folks from different places in the world, different cultures, but it's the same Christ. This young couple that grew up in South Africa and they're actually living in Dubai now, working. And we, they were asked, they were married just a few years, and um, we were sitting up one night uh, talking late, which for me is uncharacteristic because I go to bed by 10 if I can. We were up till 11 o'clock talking, and, and it was just a, because we did want to break our conversation. It was all about, uh, what they were asking me, what was it like when I was young and when I was growing up in Christ? And is anything changed? And them being a young couple, um, any advice I'd give them? You know, of course, any old guy like me, it's great to have someone ask you that question uh, that they would assume I might have some wisdom after these years. I might actually glean something. And I asked them if they've ever heard this song, Younger Me, and I played it for them. And I'm going to play it today. And the song, Younger Me, to set it up, really talks about, if you could talk to yourself, how many have heard a song? Show of hands, most of you. Um, if you. If you look at the words, and, and you're going to see the words up on the screen here in a second, and kind of take them in, what, the, what they tell you. If you could tell yourself back then what you know now, what would you say? And for some of you, you're back then now. I mean, maybe you can look back when you're 16, 17, 18 years old, maybe when you're six, but someday you're going to be sitting at 64, like I am, looking back on your life, seems like forever from now to you, and wondering, am I going to learn some things on the way that I would have, I would have known back then, and would I have changed things? And this song puts a really interesting perspective on it. Matt, if you want to cue it up, or Mark, play it for me, appreciate it. Then you could be 
One step ahead of all the painful memories still running through my head. I wonder how much different things would be, dear younger me. Some speech about how to get the most out of your life, or do I go deep and try to change the choices that you'll make? 'Cause they're the choices that made me. And even though I love this crazy life, sometimes I wish it was a smoother ride, dear young. Attempt to unpack that song a bit. Got my good friend Mr. Butler who unpacks things every day. Um, before I do, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that we are together here. We thank you, Lord, for Kyle and pray your blessing upon him and his family as they come back from Chicago and the wedding they performed, and just that you'd see him back home safely, Lord. Father, I pray that you'd take the words of this song, the words that Bart Millard uh, came up with to express the thought he had about his own life. And to share it with other Christians to encourage and to give strength and heart. And Lord, you help me as I just uh, talk about the scriptures that would support some of the things that's uh, notions that are brought up in this song. And Lord, that it would be uh, such a way that it would change the men and women, boys and girls here in this room's hearts today. To soften their hearts, to strengthen their hearts, to give them a new heart, Lord, that comes from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's fill up that first verse. Go ahead, Mark. 
If I knew then what I know now, condemnation would have had no power. My joy, my pain would have never been my worth. In life, we have joy. We have things that happen to us that are wonderful. And you go, okay, that's, that's who I am. Oh, I feel good today. What a great day. And then crap hits fan. And it's not such a good day. Disappointment, sometimes devastating disappointment. Oh, that's who I am. I'm a person of pain. And I would just suggest you that you're neither. It's not your joy. It's not your pain. It's his joy and his pain. Romans 8, 1 through 5 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Condemnation would have no power. And as I think we all know, there's times in life when condemnation has some serious power over us. And it's the word of God and his heart that can make that difference in you to where you're not walking in condemnation. When that hits you, you just ignore it. You go away from it. You try to, to avoid it because God is with you. God has given you the source. It's not yourself. But if it's all about you, then we're in trouble. You're in trouble because you can't fix the things sometimes that happen. But God can. So if you were talking to a younger version of you, one thing you might say is, it's all about the Lord. Don't walk with condemnation. Don't let joy, your own personal joy be the thing that uplifts you today because that could be fleeting. And don't let those disappointments and those hurts and pains drag you down too far because that's not who you are either. God is with you. Go to the next slide if you would. Dear younger me, it's not your fault. You were never meant to carry this beyond the cross. You know, we carry so much. Again, the joy of the condemnation. John 19 says this. If I can get to it here. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture. Scripture. I thirst. A jar of a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, as Greg quoted a few weeks ago, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So the things that you can carry, the things that you can walk with in your life, the experiences you've had, both good and bad, were not meant to walk past the cross. When you accept Jesus as your personal Savior and reconnect your heart with God, he makes a new you. And the old you is dead. Now, he seems to rear his, he or she seems to rear his ugly head every now and again. And you need to put it back to death because it is finished. You can tell your soul, you can tell your spirit, when those things happen to you, when you feel those things coming on you, to say it's finished. Jesus finished it for me. I don't have to do anything. He did it for me. I'm going to the next slide again. You are holy. You are righteous. You are one of the redeemed. Set apart a brand new heart. You are free indeed. 
you are holy, you are righteous, you are one of the redeemed, set apart with a brand new heart. You are free indeed. We may not feel like it a lot of times, but that's the truth. And if you could talk to younger you, you might want to say that. The younger you that knows Jesus is holy, is righteous, is redeemed. It has a new heart. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to a yoke of slavery. And the yoke of slavery is mostly you. Holding yourself accountable. Holding your, judging yourself. Letting the world judge you. Listening to those words. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand, therefore, do not submit to yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1. Next verse, if you would. Every mountain, every valley, through each heartache, you will see every moment brings you closer to who you were meant to be. It may be hard to see it when you're younger, and maybe now if you look back, the things that have happened to you, the, the experiences you've had, the joy, the pain, have made you who you are. You have, you're a unique you. You're a different you than you were when you are younger. God has refined you. He has used everything. Romans 8.20 says God causes all things to work to good. All things to work to good for those that love the Lord and those who call it according to his purpose. All things. He uses everything. The good, the bad, the ugly. He uses all those things. And as a younger person, can you prevent tragedy? If you could, don't take that turn. There's a car accident waiting to happen around the corner. Or would you just make things worse? I think I'd probably try to fix myself and make things worse. Most likely. You could try all you want. God's got you. So every moment you have in your life, to see every moment, even when you're in it, and it doesn't seem so good, to know that you are continuing to be framed and adjusted into the kind of person he wants you to be and the kind of man or woman he wants you to be in Christ. Okay. You are holy, you are righteous, you're one of the redeemed. Put this in there twice for a reason, because I think it's something that we just have trouble settling with. You are one of the redeemed, set apart, brand new heart, you are free indeed. Psalm 23, 1. I love the 23rd Psalm for lots of reasons, one of which I know Kyle taught on it a year or so ago. In fact, he wrote a book on it. It's a very good devotional. And we talked, we went through that. But Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the shadow, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That should be a scripture for that, Mark. I'll start over. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. God is with you no matter where you're at. And as I've talked to a few people about this, the revelation I got a few years ago is he doesn't necessarily rescue you from the shadow of the valley of death. Or the valley of the shadow of death. He sometimes just shows up there for you. And he makes a meal before, you know, in front of your enemies. He doesn't necessarily rescue you from enemies. He's there with you. And so God is with you every place, everywhere. Even when you feel like, I'm in a crappy place here. This is, the, this is a death place. God's with you. And he may not necessarily rescue you from that spot. He's got something bigger in mind that maybe you can certainly see at the time. God is with you there. He didn't say, I'll rescue you from the valley of death. He could, and he does sometimes, but he says in this particular uh, psalmist says, I'm with you. I'm with you. 
Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And so as you clear your heart, as you take on the word of God into your heart, as you live that way, you act that way, it settles into your spirit. As I said earlier, take those words into your heart. You'll see God. You're not going to see him just looking in pain, just looking in joy. You're going to see him, see him when you look for him. And you make your heart pure, which sounds impossible. But again, God puts a new heart in us. And you have faith that God will put a new heart in you. There's a new you. Revelation 3.20 says this. Another one of my favorite scriptures. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You know, the Lord, who is the king of the universe, who is the creator of the universe, who is the creator of, creator of each one of us, individually, could easily crash down and say, I'm here, you need to do what I say. And there's times maybe he does that for you. But Jesus talks about, they talk about him being at the door, knocking. I don't see it as someone banging down the door with a sledgehammer. It's a gentle knock at your heart. I stand at the door. And those invite me in, I come in. And so wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, wherever you're at with your life, your career, your family situation, God is always knocking. He's always asking to come in. And all you got to do is invite him in. He's there. The last scripture, I'm wondering, well, two more scriptures I want to read, then we'll wrap it up here. Psalm 23, 5. I alluded to this earlier. You, Lord, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. As I mentioned before, he doesn't necessarily extract you from a a crappy situation or a tough situation or uh, from pain. But not only is he with you, he sets a table. You're eating in the presence of your enemies, whatever those enemies might be. It could be physical. It could be spiritual. It could be your mind. It could be a kind of a current place you're in. God is with you, and God will feed you in the presence of your enemies. He doesn't say, I'll take you away. We'll go to some quiet spot on a nice little glen with a beautiful stream in the valley of death. When you're surrounded by your enemies, and this is David who knew what it was like to be surrounded by his enemies. Many times he's surrounded by his enemies, outnumbered, outgunned, or outknifed, outsorted. And um, he knew what it was like. And so when he said this revelation that God is with him, even in the shadow of valley of death, and makes a table in the presence of his enemies and eats there, nourishes, being nourished there, it's an awesome place to be in. Okay, Psalm 121, I just got the first couple here. I'm going to read the whole scripture to you. Just like that song, if you listen to the words and kind of take them in and take them seriously, uh, there's so many scriptures like Psalm 121 that also, if you just read it and go, okay, I'm going to try to believe this a little bit. It's amazing what it will do to your spirit, it will do to your walk. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence does my help come? Again, the person that wrote this was used to seeing the enemy on the hills, used to being outnumbered, used to being chased. 
And when he looked his eyes to the hills, where is my help going to come from? Because it's not natural. It's going to come from the Lord. He goes on to say, my help comes from the Lord. He who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Be moved. He, he who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So the psalmist talks about the fact that God is with him. Revelation 3.20 says, I stand at the door and knock. Psalm 121 says, I look to the hills. My help comes from God. It comes from nowhere else. It doesn't come from stronger army. It doesn't come from better food. It doesn't come from a more comfortable living situation. It doesn't come from anything other than the fact that my help comes from the Lord directly. So when I contemplated this and with uh, this young couple about what I would tell a younger me, I think you, I summed it up by um, relax a bit and trust God. It's all about Him anyway. And I know, especially when you're younger, you got the whole life ahead of you and you want to accomplish things in life, and that's not all bad. But God's got to figure that equation. And the more you figure Him into your equation, the more you let Him direct your steps, the more you take time to pray, to say, Lord, what should I do here? the better chance you have of leading a little more peaceful life because it's not about what goes on around you that matters. It's what happens right inside of here, inside your heart. So those of you that are younger, trust God. Pray often. Rest in Him. Those of you that are older, encourage those that are younger <laughs> to do those things and know that you have a life to live beyond where you're at today, that you can learn and continue to grow in Him. And have a young heart because God gives you a heart that he has for you, not the heart you're carrying around that you were born with. you got a new heart in Christ. Trust in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this word. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us long lives to live, that we can look back and we can encourage others. I ask God you take the word today, the scriptures, the word you've given in your, in your Bible for us to read and understand that it would take it into our heart and we'd be able to relax in you because you've got it, Lord. As you said on the cross, it is finished. You finished the work. Now we just need to walk in you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be having a time of uh, music and songs to, again, Pay attention to the words of these songs, too, that are uplifting in your spirit. Uh, during the three or four songs we're going to play, there's uh, stations set up in front and back for communion. That's our practice here. If you're new or haven't been here before, uh, we take communion every Sunday. Uh, just take the bread, dip it into the cup. Uh, if this is not something you've done before you're uncomfortable with or not ready, that's cool. You're, you're in the right place. This is a good, safe place to be. Just... Stay in your seat and listen to the music and um, ask God to be with you. No pressure at all. And uh, let God take, just be with you today.